always two sales that occur. The second sale is selling you to others and the first is selling you to you. And until you can sell you to you, the second will always remain a challenge. A lot of people will say as an excuse for not doing something different is, well, I don't know what my purpose is. I have no idea what I'm gonna do if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. And now the reality is none of us know from day dot what our purpose is. Uh, unless you are starring in a Hollywood film, it doesn't exist that one morning you wake up and you think, yes, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. All right, guys, today's guest is a global speaker, a personal development entrepreneur, a coach, and is the author of the best-selling book, Energize. Being flown around the world, speaking to organizations such as Virgin, Microsoft, Canon, Adobe, and so many more, he's landed himself being written up and published in some massive publications such as Huffington Post, Forbes, and so many more for his expertise when it comes to leadership, marketing today's economy, and of course, how to manage your energy to increase your happiness, productivity, and performance in all areas of your life. So please help me welcome the guy who went from working in a retail store at 16 to now an international speaker and best-selling author and expert when it comes to maximizing your performance by managing your energy. My friend, Mr. Simon Alexander Ong. Morgan, thank you so much for having me on. Mate, I am so fired up to bring you on. Like we were just talking before this started, you know, I heard you because you were a speaker in my mastermind that I'm in right now. And I, I came into the last like half of, of your session. I was like, in, and I'm so excited to revisit the conversation because everything you're talking about, I was like, this, this is so freaking cool. I'm like, who's this Simon guy again? Then I've just been following you since. And, and uh, it's just been incredible to see your journey. Uh, and I'm really excited to unpack that for our audience. And what I, what I'm curious on to kick it off is where did the obsession come from, energy specifically. Like where did where did you get obsessed on energy specifically, and how that can be used to maximize our performance? Sure, I think there are a couple of contributing factors, Morgan. The first was whenever I got down from stages and I had queues of people waiting to ask me questions or to take selfies with me, one of the first statements of feedback that I got was, Simon, I loved your energy on stage. It was infectious. It was electrifying. And you know, if I could only have a small percentage of the energy that you have, I could go on and accomplish so much. And secondly, I remember a period of my life when I was in full-time employment. My first career after graduation was within the financial services sector. And it was a sector that burnt me out physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so going from a place of having little energy to a place today where I feel energized every morning by the feeling of possibilities of what is to come and what is to be, I wanted to detail that journey not only through my book, but also through the work that I do so that people could bring more energy into their lives. Because what I realized, Morgan, is that it is not a question of whether we have enough time. We all want more time, but yet we waste the time we have. It is more a question of what is the energy that you are bringing into the hours of your day? Mm. So what do we do about that? Mm. So... The first place to begin when we want to bring more energy into our day is to make your health a priority. Stop making it a side hustle. I was making a side hustle for so long in the early part of my career. When I was working in finance, Morgan, I was surviving on junk food and takeaways. I was getting little sleep. I wasn't really exercising well. And so that put me in a very negative state of mind. But as soon as I exited that job and moved into one that was kinder from, from an hour's perspective and also in terms of pressure, it gave me the time to start putting my health as a number one priority. And once I did that, getting sufficient rest, moving my body on a regular basis and eating better, it put together the foundation for me to then explore all the other things that I wanted to do. So what do you think is more important then when it comes to, so, so what I'm hearing is, a big factor of it is just the way you look after yourself, your health and all that. 
And one big thing that I've always, like I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and she's like, I'm really suffering with energy. And, and I'm like, I like, I'm a, I'm a big like state management and mindset and, and, and I do look after my health quite, quite well, but what do you think is more important? health and the way and the things we put into our body or the way we manage our mindset and I guess attitude around our day and peak performance. Sure. I, I would say they are they are generally of equal importance, but if I had to rank them, I would say physical health, your physical energy is the is the first step. It's the first thing you have to address. Because there is a phrase that goes to the healthy individual, they have many wishes, but to the sick they have only one. So you cannot achieve any of your goals if you don't have good health. We learned that through the COVID pandemic. You know, if you can't have good health, well, there's no point in trying to work yourself towards the things that you want to, what want or desire in your vision. So for me, it begins with physical health, but we then have to address the other areas, your mental energy, your emotional energy, and your spiritual energy. Those things are important. Now, once we've got physical health in place, what I've noticed is that even if you are physically healthy, you might not be healthy in the other areas. So when we look at society, what we tend to observe is that many are exhausted, not because they're physically doing too much, but one, they're doing too little of the things that bring them joy. Mm. And two, they're often running someone else's race. So when someone is not feeling energized, it could be a multitude of reasons. From a spiritual perspective, it could be the fact that they are doing something they just don't enjoy they're doing it for someone else. From an emotional perspective, it may be the fact they're not happy for whatever reason. From a mental perspective, is they cannot focus. They are consumed by distraction. So we really want to understand what is the driver of that lack of energy and then to address it. To give an example, Morgan, when someone comes to me mentally or emotionally drained, a very powerful exercise that will immediately transform and elevate their energy is to do three things. One, write down the name of someone that you can be grateful for. Two, write down why. And number three, pick up your phone, call that person, and tell them what you wrote in step two. Why does that increase energy? Like, do you know it like chemically in our head? Is it release something? Is it do something? What 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 actually what's the science behind that? Do you know why that works? Yeah, so the reason why it works, and, and it was research conducted by Dr. Martin Seligman, what it does is that it takes gratitude to a deeper level. So most of us, when we when we embrace gratitude, we might write a couple of things down each day, but over time, it becomes a simple checkbox exercise. You know, it was sunny today, I got a new client, uh, I ate a nice dinner. But we don't take the time to pause and really feel the emotion of gratitude. However, when you express gratitude with intention, so you are intentionally putting it out into the world, by telling someone live through your voice that you're grateful for them, voice carries energy. And so when the receiver hears how grateful you are for having them in your life, they feel a dopamine hit. They feel this feeling of happiness. But it doesn't just benefit them, it benefits you. And in one study conducted by a company called Soul Pancake, what they discovered is that the person that came into the room the least happiest experienced the greatest jump in their feelings of happiness after doing this exercise. This is really interesting stuff. So I want to I want to dive into. So you said the four areas, right? So we've got physical, physical health, emotional health, mental health, spiritual health. I'm pretty sure physical health is pretty self-explanatory. Mental health quite self-explanatory can you dive into more like what what is potentially going on in someone's world and then how do they fix it if they're emotionally unhealthy and spiritually unhealthy what are those two so when it comes to emotional and spiritual energy one of the first places that we can begin to start to shift that and rewire that into something more empowering and positive is simply to deepen our level of self-awareness you know, most of us aren't aware that we are running low on spiritual energy or that we are being very reactive or we're letting events control us rather than us control them. And so as simple as sitting down, writing your thoughts on paper, journaling 
is for me the very first step to addressing our emotional and spiritual health. Why? Because knowing yourself is the beginning of true wisdom. And you cannot have self-development without self-awareness. Once you're aware of how do you respond to challenges or obstacles or setbacks, when you're aware of how you engage with your friends, your colleagues, people that you work with, when you're aware of where you are and what you want and where you are on that journey, that gives you clarity as to what the step forward is. Mm. Does burnout actually exist? Mm. I would say if you look at statistics, and I'm going to reference some UK statistics here because those are ones I saw recently in the news. Yeah. It said that within the last two years, nearly 90% of workers in corporate Britain experience burnout of some kind. Now, I would hazard a guess that in many cases, the reason people experience burnout is because they're working hard for something they don't enjoy. And so what happens is that you increase the chance of burnout because it's not something you're connected to. I know people who work long hours for something they love and they're passionate about, yet they don't burn out because they're filled with energy and excitement about crafting and building something that will not only contribute to their legacy, but allow them to express their potential, to express their talents and their gifts. So I would hazard, again, I don't know uh, the reasons behind the, the data figures, but I would hazard a guess that part of that is because one, they're in jobs they're not happy with. And of course, as the barrier between work and home gets more blurred, it drains them even more. They're already drained because they're not doing something they enjoy. They become drained even more when working conditions change. Mm. Do you think it could also... The reason I asked, right, because I I refuse to have that word in my vocabulary, right? I'm like, because I'm just so headstrong always. I'm like, no, burnout's nothing, nothing. And then I, I experienced... If it ever did actually exist, I got very close to it one day. And it was exactly because of that. I just got very uninspired by what I was doing anymore. I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't feel it was meaningful for me anymore. But then I've spoken to people that have actually experienced like legit adrenal fatigue and they're in hospital. And I would mm. say that's probably quite legit that they're, they're really pushing their body way, way, way to the extreme. But do you think like, talk to us about, is is there like for the people out there that are maybe, they're not burning out. They're maybe just a little bit uninspired, but they start to label themselves as, oh, I've got burnout or I'm burning out or does the labels that people put on it make things a lot worse or is it irrelevant? I do think the labels that people use uh, can limit how we move forward and, and limit how we address what we're going through. I mean, there's a great example that was shared by uh, by, by the speaker, Sir Ken Robinson, where he shared this story about a young girl who, when she was attending school, she was told that she had disruptive behavior. She didn't fit in. Now, this was way before we had the term ADHD. So she was told she couldn't keep focus. Uh, she kept getting distracted and there must be something wrong with her. And so her mother, very concerned, took her daughter to the local doctor. And after having a conversation with, with her daughter, the doctor took the mother out of the room and through the small circular window at the front of that door, turned on the radio from afar, pointed to her daughter, and the mother saw through the window that the daughter stood up and started dancing around the room. And the doctor said to the mother, your child does not have an issue with focusing. It is just because she is a natural born dancer. And so her mother took her out of school, put her into dance class. And years later, when she grew up as an adult, she became a ballet dancer and she became a choreographer for the National Ballet Academy. And so sometimes I think when we are quick to label things, what happens is it stops us understanding the source of it. That maybe it's not because of the label, maybe it's because I'm doing the wrong thing, or maybe I need to change something that is in my present circumstance that will allow me to access what is inside of me. I love this so much because it, 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 it's so freaking true. Like if we're if we're doing things that are unfulfilling or uninspiring, it's going to suck energy from us. Mm -hmm. And my answer to the question I'm going to ask you in a second 
is the things that actually give me energy. That's a clear direction for me that things I should be doubling down on. So how does somebody actually discover the things that are fulfilling for them, that are inspiring for them, that is their purpose, their mission, their, the thing that they could work 16 hours a day on and not get tired? How does somebody discover that? Sure. Well, this links to the uh, to the idea of purpose, Morgan, because a lot of people will say as an excuse for not doing something different is, well, I don't know what my purpose is. I have no idea what I'm going to do if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now. And now the reality is none of us know from day dot what our purpose is. Uh, unless you are starring in a Hollywood film, it doesn't exist that one morning you wake up and you think, yes, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. In reality, what happens is that you have to start with a softer question. Don't ask yourself, what is my purpose? Because that can be very heavy. That can be a very heavy thing to reflect on. Begin instead with asking yourself, what am I most curious about right now? Mm. Right now, what am I most curious about? And then explore that. And then as you explore that, your mind starts to open. And then you ask yourself the same question. Given what I just read, given what I heard, given what I, who, who I spoke with, given uh, the seminar I went to, what am I now curious about? And then follow that. And what happens is that as you follow the breadcrumbs of curiosity, that will eventually lead you to your river of purpose. Yeah. And do you think it, um, you know, for the people sitting here thinking, well, well, that's all I do. I have, I'm, I'm an, I have a PhD in shiny object syndrome. I'm curious <laughs> about lots of things. And I do this and I do that and I do this. Is that still leading them on their journey or are they lost? Or is it just a matter of, you know, the Colonel Sanders story, what 70 something years old, wasn't he, where he finally cracked it? Is it just a matter of everyone's on their own journey? You can't control when you'll crack it or are they simply lost and need to do something about it? Well, I think that there's two parts to this. First is that, yes, everyone has a different journey and everyone has a different timeline. So you shouldn't compare yourself to other people's timelines. You know, some people get there quicker because they've got different access to resources, different networks. Some people might take longer because they don't have as much access as other people. Now, on the other side, it's bringing together an understanding of the macro and the micro. Now, micro are your daily actions, your daily habits, your choices and behaviors. Now, unless you have some knowledge of the macro, you could be taking any micro actions. They have no purpose. So what I mean by the macro is, well, what is important to you long term? What would you want your legacy to be? If you and I were to meet five years from now and we bumped into each other at the airport and you said to me, Simon, the last five years were the most beautiful of my life in every single way. What would you be telling me? Now, that's what I call macro is giving you a sense of direction. And that feeds into the micro. So when you think about your curiosities and the things that you want to explore how does that fit in with the macro because if you're so focused on the micro without the macro then there's no direction if you're so focused on the macro without the micro you don't make any progress so you really need to understand the two and as you take steps forward both become a lot clearer this is uh i really love the way you answer questions like i'm throwing questions at you and i'm like i'm very curious of what he's going to say and then you're like Bam, <laughs> just things is <laughs> awesome. Um, hey, talk to us about like morning routines and habits and bringing all the things you teach, all the things you've studied and you know. What is, you know, you got gurus out there teaching about 14 hour morning routine and you got to do all these things. What are some simple things that people are probably not doing that they could do to really just set themselves up for the most most productive day? Sure. Well, First of all, we have to understand that your mornings and your evenings, by and large, are in your control. They are what I would call the bookends of your day. Now, during the day, there might be things out of your control. You know, you might get a call that is that is an emergency. You might have your boss or colleague say, oh, we've got this issue we have to address now. So during the day, might, some of it might be out of your control. Some of it might be unexpected. But morning and evenings, mostly are going to be in your control. So one of the first things that you can do to take back control of your mornings and to set your day up right is by planning your day the night before. Now, here's why this works. When you plan your day the night before, it helps you in two ways. One, it actually promotes better sleep because you download all of those things that you're thinking about onto paper. You schedule them, you put them in your diary. So when you do go to bed, you don't have to think about them anymore. 
Second is that when you wake up the next morning, you have focus as to what is most important and how you will know that day will have been productive. Now, when it comes to morning habits, what we want to do is to put the most important tasks that are that are valuable to us right at the front of the day. So if this year you are focused on leading a healthier lifestyle, make exercise, moving your body, one of the first things you do in the morning. And here's why. Because as your day progresses, naturally, your energy level is going to dip as we move throughout the day. And so the probability of you doing that thing you want to do mid-afternoon or late afternoon will heavily decline. And what happens is you will say to yourself, maybe tomorrow, maybe I'll get to that tomorrow. Tomorrow becomes next week, next month, next quarter, next year, perhaps never. And so that's one of the first things that we can do just to set our day up right. Mm. Do you incorporate anything with breathing, breath work, breathing exercise, anything like that in the morning or during the day? Because I know there's lots of different things that we can do like that to just re-energize ourselves. Um, so what do you sort of do to incorporate that into your day? And do you have any sort of, you know, a lot of people, me included, that 2 p.m. mark, I've got to do something to, I'm like, okay, I need a reset. I'll have like a little green tea shot and like I pump myself up and then I'm into like the second big half of my day. But so talk to us about breathing exercises and is there something special you do in an afternoon sort of dip to just get yourself back into gear or? Yeah, so, so breathing exercises for me, I integrate as part of my meditation practice. And so what happens is when I meditate, I'm also focusing on my breathing as, as something for my mind to uh, bring into its attention. And that for me is very powerful, especially if you are working towards a, a big project or a big deadline. Sometimes that can be overwhelming for us. And so when you face something like that or a challenge or an obstacle, simply pausing, taking a step back from the waterfall and grounding ourselves in our breath and bringing ourselves inwards through meditation can literally reset and rejuvenate us in that moment. So that's how I incorporate it into my into my daily habits. Now, mid-afternoon, mid when energy levels tend to dip on average, what I like to do is simply to reflect on what are the activities or things that bring me energy. So when my energy level does dip, what can I do that will help me reset myself so that I can bring myself back to a good level for the final hours of the afternoon? So I might, for example, uh, schedule a coffee with a good friend. Just a simple catch up like that where I have to go outside, walk to a coffee shop and catch up with that person or simply walk in nature, go out for a 40 minute walk in nature, come back and my mind is absolutely clear. And it is linked to understanding your energetic river. You know, we all have a different energetic river. Some of us are early risers, some of us are night owls. I remember running a workshop the other week just to see the data on this. And I said, how many of you get your greatest energy in the middle of the afternoon? I was expecting no hands to pop up, yet seven hands flew up. And I was mm. like, wow, this is very interesting. Now, this shows us we all have a different energetic river. So first, to understand what your rhythm is, and second, to build your day around that is a very powerful practice. Yeah, that that's so true. Like, because I'm, um, I love night times. Well, it's kind of interesting. I've, I've sort of changed it now. Like right now, it's, it's past 8 p.m. for me right now. And I'm pumped, like I, I can keep going, <laughs> right? And it, it's funny, I always joke about this with my friend because one of my best mates, 4.30 in the morning, he's just awake and wanted to kill the day. And he's just got questions <laughs> and he wants to talk about stuff. And I'm always just like, dude, shh, stop speaking. Don't speak to me for another few hours. And I'm like, and I, have a, I don't do anything before 10 o'clock in the morning for me because I just know that's my time. I move slow, I go to the gym, I get my thoughts and I like that. But when, when 10 o'clock comes, I'm like, I can go 12 hours, bam. But it's because I've really learned that. And, you know, but I think it's always, I always think of that analogy of the same as how they, they do it in school, where it's like there was, mm. this, there was this picture where there's a goldfish in a bowl, a monkey and an elephant. And they said, okay, guys, I'm going to score you all on your ability to climb that tree. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> well, what the hell? It's just so unfair. And, and for so long, I looked at, well, how does other people do it? And I, and I read, you know, the 5 a.m. club and, all this mm. stuff. And, and what I realized is that I hate getting up that early. Like I don't, mm. if I get up before six o'clock, I actually perform really shit. Even if I got a good amount of sleep, 
if I get up before six o'clock, my body is just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. But if I sleep to six fifteen, I don't know why it's just six fifteen. I've just trialed an error that I get up and I'm 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 I can kill it even if I've slept four or five hours. As soon as I get up just about six six thirty, I'm good. But I but I've played with that. Um, so it's super important to figure that stuff out. And I like what you said, like throwing that into your day. Mm-hmm. It's good. Have you ever thought about living a life with more freedom, more certainty, more clarity and confidence? Have you ever thought about what it would be like for you to truly live a life by design, not by default? If so, then listen up. Guys, I've got something absolutely incredible coming up that you guys want to be a part of. It's called the Life by Design Summit. How to create a life on purpose with passion and freedom without needing to have it all figured out yet even if you don't know where to start or if you've tried everything before. Look, chances are if you listen to this podcast, whether this be the first time or the 100th time you've listened to this, you are a dream chaser. You are a go-getter. You have big ambition inside of you. You have this burning desire inside within that is just waiting to be unleashed and to go into something worth meaning, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here listening. I've literally created this summit specifically for you. It is a virtual event, so it doesn't matter which country you're in, you can get access and jump in live with me for three and a half hours, okay? In this summit, you're going to learn the secrets that I've learned, that I've, I've developed over the years to build the life of freedom that I currently have now. You're going to learn how to find your purpose in life and actually get paid for doing something that you love. You're going to learn how to discover unlimited motivation, even on the days you feel lost, stuck, and you don't want to do anything. And you're also going to learn my four secret pillars to bridge the gap from where you are right now to the life you truly desire. Guys, there's no better time than right now to attend this upcoming summit. It's going to blow your freaking mind. To top it off, This is not some free, shitty masterclass, free webinar where I'm just going to bore you to death, give you 10% value, and then just fluff you around, waste your time, and then sell to you. This is three and a half hours of pure gold, pure value specifically for you so you can get to the next level in your life. Tickets are $47. That's it. And there's not even a sell on the call. So what are you waiting for? Hit the link in my bio right now. Hit the link in the description below of this episode. Get your ticket and I'm going to see you live in person on the virtual event coming up next. Guys, I cannot wait to see you on the Life by Design Summit. How about when it comes to stress? What are some tips that we can do to manage stress and minimize stress in the the workplace or especially as entrepreneurs? Sure. Well, the very first thing that we can do is start setting healthier boundaries. You, you know, one of the questions I get people to reflect on is how quick are you at putting in me time into your calendar as quick as you are to accept business meetings, social events, and holiday plans in your calendar? Now, for many people, they'll be like, well, I, I, I don't put me time in my calendar. And I said, that's where the problem lies, because if you don't block out a meeting with yourself or just a day to yourself, what happens is you're always going to get invites coming into your calendar. And so everybody else is going to get your time. But how are you getting your own time for you? So that's the very first thing to address, because there's no point saying I'm going to deal with stress if you just don't have the space and the capacity to do so. So the very first step is to make sure you do have the space and capacity to do so. And then the second thing is really understanding, and this is where we touch on emotional energy, it's really understanding how you respond to things that don't always go the way you imagine. Now, if you are a business owner or an entrepreneur, you will know that being comfortable with the uncomfortable is a part of the game that we must accept. And so it forces us every day to step outside of our comfort zone. Now, how we respond to that will determine if that is a stressful experience or that is an experience that fuels our growth and makes us stronger. So again, it is our relation to things that happened on the outside of us. There was, I, I don't know who said it, but there was a great quote where it says, the event or an experience does not make you stressful, but it is your thinking about the event or the experience. Mm. 
And so what I got from that, Morgan, is the fact that we live in the feeling of our thinking moment to moment to moment. And mm. when we can choose a different thought, it transforms the behaviors and the choices we make. And with that comes a degree of consciousness. Most of us believe that we are our thoughts, but in fact, we are merely the observer of our thoughts. And when we choose, yes, I'm going to accept this as reality, that determines the color of the world around us. And so simply choosing another thought can transform your experience of life. This is some powerful stuff. And you just reminded me, like for so long, I was just thinking, I was like, when's my next me time? I used to have me time structured in quite well. Uh, and the problem now I'm just thinking about the problem it's been, it's cause it just turned into like, I think it's just one turn after the next. It's like, Oh, I've only blocked in me time, but I've, I can only meet this. I can only put this meeting on that day. Oh, screw it. Just do it. Just put it in, mm. do it. And I'm thinking, I'm like, that's been my mentality for so long. And it's that, so how, how do we balance? Cause I guess for me, like I'm, I'm a high performer. I'd like to mm. get a lot of shit done in a very short amount of time. And and I love it. And so do a lot of the people that listen here. So how do we how do we balance the high performance attitude and getting lots of things done and also balancing me time mm. and those boundaries? I think the question we have to ask ourselves is that when it comes to now whether you are looking to develop your career or whether you're looking to develop your business, the first thing you have to ask yourself is that do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life? Or do I want to be doing this just for a few years? Now, if it is something that you want to do for the rest of your life, you have to make it sustainable mm. because consistency always beats intensity. If you go intense and full on 24-7, what's going to happen is that at some point you're going to shut down, either mentally or physically. But if you want to thrive, you've got to build in periods of rest where you can recover, where you can step back. Uh, piece together your thoughts and experiences so you can move forward with even greater vigor. Now, the analogy I'm going to share is, is that of Formula One. So if you ever watch Formula One racing, you will know that all the cars require pit stops. Pit stops to either refuel, change tires, or to address an issue. Now, you cannot do that if you're constantly with your pedal down, if you're constantly accelerating, because at some point you're going to have an accident. And so for me, the first place is to ask yourself, do you want to be in this for the long term or the short term? If it's the long term, then you've got to start managing how you run your weeks, your months and your years. And that begins with your schedule. You have to give as much importance to your me time as you do your social events and your business meetings. That also sends a very strong signal to people as to how you work. So to give an example, when I worked with a Michelin star chef here in the UK, he now blocks out Wednesdays every week for what he calls his creative day. So Wednesdays, there's no phone, there's no work. He just locks himself in the kitchen and comes up with all of these new recipe ideas. Now, if we go back in history, what we begin to understand, Morgan, is that these periods of rest as a high performer is not procrastination. It is not moving forward. It is actually very healthy because it unleashes our most creative breakthroughs. Isaac Newton sitting under that tree, the apple falling on his head, gravity. Thomas Edison fishing with no bait so not even the fish would disturb him, had some of his biggest breakthroughs that he went on to pass as patents and inventions. So what that does is that when we take time out, it allows the mind to connect the dots. There's no point going out and collecting all the dots if you don't have space to connect them. And so that's what this timeout does. And it is actually one of the greatest challenges for highly ambitious individuals. Yeah, I'll 100% <laughs> test that one. I, I, <laughs> I figured that out actually a couple of years ago. I was like, I was getting to the point uh, where I was edging on them like, oh, I'm the B word, you know. And a friend said to me, she's like, you know what we did? We just took a holiday, like four days off. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean you took a day off? You took four days off in a row? I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm just like, you got to do it. You got. I'm like, nah. So I delayed it for weeks, 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 weeks. And then eventually I was like, I need this. And I remember I went and did, I think, three days away in like a little cabin in Mount Tambourine here. So it's like in the, the forest, in the rainforest. And I came back. That was my highest income week I had all that year. <laughs> and I only worked two days or something that week. 
And I'm like, mm. I might be onto something here. And then what I noticed was about every single 90 days, I'd go and do like a three to five day trip away completely by myself, delete all my social media and just play and just be. Mm. And every single time I'd come back, just this new me, new ideas and, and everything. And it's, and it, but it took me some time to get around it because it felt like I was being lazy. It felt like I was procrastinating. And, and it wasn't until I, I felt lazy only when I took time off because I wasn't being as productive as I possibly could in my other hours because mm-hmm. I was in the space of going, when I was working, all I wanted to do was go to the beach. But then when I wanted to be at the beach, I'd feel guilty about being there because I should be working. So when I actually mm-hmm. allowed myself to have the me time, I could do it guilt-free. And then mm-hmm. when I worked, I was highly productive and I loved it. And I got more done in less time because I knew that I got more play coming up. And it's crazy how it just balances out like that. I love that, Morgan. I think you touched on an important point as well. It's that there is a there is a fine line between resting and having me time and procrastinating. Yeah. When you rest with intention, it is not procrastinating. So, for example, if I block out in my diary Saturday afternoon to evening, I'm going to do X, Y, Z as my activity. That is resting with intention because I have a focus for how I'm going to rest and I've blocked out the time. Where it becomes procrastination is if at 11 o'clock at night, I suddenly switch on Netflix. And before I know it, it's three in the morning and I'm still watching television. (laughs) That is procrastination because now what was meant to be an evening or a day off has now gone into the next day. Mm. So that for me is understanding the difference between resting with intent and procrastination and we've got to be careful between the two that's that's really powerful i want want to talk about and i want to hear about the book the deal you've done so to give some sort of context to the the listeners so you've just you know you've written energize you not only just wrote a book that's killing it all around the world but you got published by penguin which is the number one publishing uh industry Mm. company in the world i i think isn't it yeah You've been referenced in the book by Simon Sinek, who's multiple New York Times bestselling author. He's the freaking goat. Marie Folio uh, and so many big people. So can you can we dive into this a little bit? Because there's so many people that probably listen to this. Like, What I love what you've done is you've taken your passions, you've taken the things that you're curious about, things that you've worked through, you put it into a book and now you're being, we were just talking before we start here, you, you've got gigs, paid speaking gigs all around the world booked up this year. You've been able to make this into an incredible quality of life for you by getting into this book. So can we just start with how did you go about signing? Is this your first book as well? This is my first book, correct. So how did you go about getting your first book signed by the biggest publishing agency in in the entire world? Can we start there? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So uh, I think what I'll do to give some context is share some habits and methods that help to make that a lot easier. Yeah. The three things that come to my mind that really help to make this possible. Number one is there are always two sales that occur. The second sale is selling you to others. And the first is selling you to you. And until you can sell you to you, the second will always remain a challenge. So that's what I've had to do since becoming an entrepreneur. I've had to sell me to me first because then the energy I bring to the table when I show up, whether that's online or offline, will be infinitely greater once you've sold you to you because you believe in what you do. You see value in the services that you bring to the world. Second is think different. You have got to think different in today's world. Otherwise, you're just noise. You're just noise on people's radar. So how do you think different in a way that gets people's attention? And people's attention are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So that's why it's important to think different. And third, be bold. Be bold in your actions. Now, that kind of sets a context, and that will explain how I how I got the deal and some of the uh, accomplishments that I've had since then. So with regards to the thinking different, what I did is when I started to think about writing a book, I researched all the publishers that I wanted to be associated with. So they were publishing houses like Penguin, HarperCollins, Hay House, Simon & Schuster, all the big names in the publishing world. And then what I did is I went on each of their websites 
and I downloaded the PDF document that would show the catalog of the upcoming book releases. So for example, on their website, it might say that in the next six months, these will be the authors publishing new books. Now, what tends to happen when authors publish new books is they will have launch events, they will have interviews. And then what I did is I signed myself up to as many of those launch events as I could. Wow. Why? Because the people going to those launch events are very likely going to be the editing team, uh, the commissioning team, the marketing team from those publishing houses. And so what I did is I started to connect with them, meet them. I became friends with them first. And then we connect on social media so they could then start seeing my content. So they started seeing my content on their feed, whether it's videos or articles or posts uh, about my thoughts and, and the work I was doing. So that by the time I sent the email, by the time I sent the email, they knew who I was. They knew what I was about. They knew the value that I could bring. And so this is what I mean about thinking different and being bold. When I went to the events, I didn't just go there. I wanted to sit as close to, if not at the front of each of those events, because chances are you get to meet the people who are part of the author's team, their content manager, their social manager, their photographer, their videographer. And you get to meet people from publishing houses, from the literally the literary world. And so that really helped me to build my relationships and understanding into that world. And then when I sent the emails, conversations started to take off from there. I love that. That's insane. So so you started sending off emails directly to the publishing agencies, sort of like, how, how does it work? Like, is it just say, hey, I've got a book in me or have I written a book or would you consider me for a deal or what, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so uh, when we're thinking about publishing a book with a traditional publisher, uh, typically you have to go for an agent. So I would say... 80, 90% of the time, you have to have a book agent that represents you who would then pitch your book on your behalf to, to, these, to these companies. I was very fortunate because I did the hard work, yet it wasn't guaranteed to work, but it was very different in terms of its approach. I was able to communicate directly to people within the team. And then I remember when one of them replied and said, Simon, would you like to come to our offices and have a coffee? And so I accepted naturally. I went there and we got into a conversation and said, Simon, what would you write a book about? And that's where we started to explore the themes and the topics and the areas that I could write about. And I was in a very fortunate position to have been offered a deal without an agent wow. when we got serious with my proposal. And so I was very fortunate that that had occurred because I know it is such a rare occurrence. But I think also there's the element of luck. I don't want to dismiss the role of luck as well because while we were having those conversations i was also invited to be interviewed live on sky news and you know that's a national news channel here in the uk and i had about eight to ten minutes in this interview now for me it felt like eight to ten seconds but on national television eight to ten minutes can be a long time and i got that video recorded i shared it on social media and i think that just added another layer of credibility mm. That, that, that is the key, right? The branding, credibility, the authority. That's mm. like, especially like I, I bang on about that all the time. Like we've just started a podcast agency as a second company now. And the key is that to help coaches and stuff actually just stand out and build authority and credibility by creating extraordinary podcasts. So, um, yeah, man, this has been amazing. And, and you've also had some of the most incredible authors and entrepreneurs, I guess, um, what do you want to call it? What do, what do we call it? They, they, I'm lost for words. Thinkers, thought leaders. <laughs> yeah, but they've they've written a review. Um, that's the yeah. word. Endorsements. About yeah, endorsements. How how did that kind of come about? Like, are you? Is this because like they're also published authors with the same company, or are you like have you had a network you went into their things yeah, as well? So the, the the interesting thing is that every endorsement on the book that you see, each of them has a different story. Because even though a couple of them are also published authors with Penguin, it does not guarantee you're going to get an endorsement. Because think how many requests they will probably get from other authors saying, could you give this person uh, uh, an endorsement? And 
when I when I connected with Simon Sinek's team, I already knew the probability would be very low because he's he's not endorsed another book before. Well, at least I haven't seen a personal development book that had his endorsement uh, in the past. And what happened is that it's, it's a bit of a fascinating story, actually, because in 2014, in London, I was invited to a dinner. So he was speaking at an after dinner event. And it was at the launch of his book, his second book, Leaders Eat Last. And I remember taking a selfie with him when he was signing uh, copies of his book. And I said to him, Simon, one day I'm going to speak on stage alongside you. And he simply said to me, I look forward to it. A few years later at the WBEX conference, WBEX stands for World Business and Executive Coach Summit. I was in the lineup with the likes of Rich Litvin, Michael Neal, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, and Simon Sinek. So our paths cross again. And then during COVID, uh, one of his team reaches out to me and says, Simon, we would love to explore a collaboration together because everybody had to pivot. And so Simon's team were looking to partner with other educators and teachers uh, to share on Simon's platform. Now, we are still working on that collaboration, but during that journey, I asked his team, when are you next meeting Simon for your team get together? And they shared a date and a time with me. And I said, when you do, would it be okay if I send you an advanced reader copy of the book to ask Simon if he would be okay to provide a testimonial? And he said, Simon, I would try, but please keep in mind, Simon gets asked a lot and is very likely to be a no because he doesn't really endorse books. And so three days later, I remember this was January 2022. I remember logging into my email and there was a message at the top. Initially, I thought it was bad news because the first line of the email said, unfortunately, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and so I opened it and the email said, unfortunately, we still need some time for that collaboration class together because we are switching objectives and we're trying to work on the best way going forward. And then he said, however, the good news is that Simon got back to us almost immediately with the following for your book. And my mouth just hit the floor. I have no reason, Morgan, I have no reason to understand what made him want to provide a blurb for the book. Maybe it was a great concept, a great book, but I like to also think in a very humorous way that he has a soft spot for the fact that I'm called Simon. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I was like, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if it's that. Oh, I, I love the boldness. Like that's like one of the things I've just taken from you. It's like unapologetically. And, and I remember I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, Joel Brown, a long time ago. And I was asking him about, you know, I think I was asking like, how, like asking people to come on my show or something. And he's just like, and if it's in your vision, and you're passionate about the end goal, then it's your duty to be bold enough to ask for what it is you want. And I love it. I, I think it's, uh, and it goes back to what I said earlier, being bold, thinking different and believing in yourself. Like, I think what has made me or helped me to stand out is I, I have this ability to blend together very different influences, but also uh, to bring together different industries. So, so I'll give an example. This might maybe inspire or spark ideas in the listener's imagination. So when it came to the book launch, I didn't want people just to buy the book. I wanted to make it very experiential. And so I brainstormed crazy partnerships, crazy ideas of how we could get people's attention by thinking different. So just to share a couple of examples of the things we did. One is we partnered with the world's best bar at the Connaught Hotel in London to create an energized cocktail so for one month after publication, if you went to the hotel bar to order the energized cocktail, it would be served on a copy of my book. Now, can you imagine how many videos or photos wow. were taken of that experience? Yeah. And then a couple of months later, in May 2022, my team and I, we put together one of the world's first book launches in the metaverse. So people had their Oculus VR headsets on. Uh, my avatar was in this virtual arena and I was talking about my book, which was playing on a virtual video screen, which was insane. And, and this year I'm working with an artist uh, to create a original piece of art inspired by the book. I'm working with a celebrity florist to create a reverse video of flowers exploding with the book coming out. And so I love exploring these crazy partnerships because it gets people's attention. Yeah. 
I love it. This is so incredible. And, and I really hope people listening to this have not just taken all the gold you've given, but the way you think. Uh, I think it's incredibly unique and really appreciative, appreciative of you coming on. Simon, where can everybody find you, get your book and follow along your journey? Sure. So you can get my book at getenergizedbook.com. That is Energize with a Z. My website is simonalexanderong.com. On social media, I'm on all the major platforms, but the two that I use the most are Instagram and LinkedIn. So do feel free to connect with me there and send me any questions you may have on the back of this. But if I may, Morgan, a question for the viewers. Um, and I think it's a powerful question to leave you with. I'm a coach. I love questions. Is how much longer will you avoid what you are capable of doing in order to continue with what you are comfortable doing? <laughs> That's a question to ponder. I love it. Simon, this has been incredible. And I know because you love questions, I've got one final question for you. <laughs> I love it, Morgan. <laughs> if you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? 30 seconds of advice for my younger self. I think it would be distilled to just focus on being better than who you were yesterday. You know, don't worry about the future 10, 20 years from now. Don't worry about what he or she is achieving or accomplishing. You cannot determine what's going to happen in, in the next few years, let alone tomorrow. So just focus on being better than who you were yesterday. And when you focus on the process, when you focus on the journey, the rewards will eventually come. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story and make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.